0: Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Man, well, happy Mother's Day to moms. Welcome to those of you online. And uh, thank you all for being here to worship with us at the early service this morning. Um, if you've been with us at all, we've been in a series on Gathered Together just talking, taking a season, talking after being through kind of a year of just kind of being pulled apart, talking about what this is, the importance of being gathered together and uh, what church is. And and that's what I want to dive into this morning is this question, what is church Uh, on this Mother's Day? And uh, just drill in a little bit, kind of get practical this morning and just down to the nuts and bolts bolts of what, uh, what church is. Um, If you are visiting with us, we would love to connect with you. There's a card in the seat back in in front of you. And uh, where I'm going to mention this morning, just different ways to connect into the uh, life of the church um, and the community. If you have any questions about what's going on here, we'd love to talk to you about all of that. But the idea of what is church, um, I want to just drill in. I want to just start by just kind of honoring my mother because... um, Probably no one else, well, I I think my mother, more than anyone else, helped form in me the foundation, my early understanding of what church was. Uh, I think I mentioned before in our testimony, we grew up going to church, kind of high church, but uh, we thought we were Christians, we thought we were that uh, Christian family doing the right thing, and we thought we knew God. Um, until we had some very persistent neighbors who had a, a home church they were part of a larger church and they would have a church in their, or, you know, a Bible study in their house and they kept inviting my mom and dad and engaging my mom and dad and, and um, almost to an annoying uh, uh, aspect uh, to hear my dad tell the tell his story. And I uh, just kept inviting him to come, and, you know, my mom, it was just Sunday morning. That was, church was just what we, you know, that's just what we did on Sunday morning, and, and when we, you know, uh, could get around to it. And uh, these folks were on a def- different level, right? Uh, something was completely different about it, and, and then on one, one day they finally kind of broke mom and dad down, and, uh, and they went, and... Uh, And they experienced something in that home of the Word of God. It wasn't just uh, a person up front. Speaking and teaching, and um, and just getting a couple little things, and leaving. They they saw people engaged around the word of God. They saw people praying and loving one another. They saw people expecting great things with one another. They experienced a love and community they had never experienced before. After decades, lifetimes of being in church, they experienced something completely different. And the second time they went, um, they were pretty pretty uh, clear. These folks just uh, loved my mom and dad to Jesus. And uh, literally shared the simple gospel after decades of being in church. My mom and dad had never been personally asked, do you know the Lord Jesus? Do you know him? Has he redeemed you? Do you know him? And, uh, and they just led my mom and dad to the Lord. And that one night, mom and dad both got on their knees and they confessed Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I've shared with you before, as an eight-year-old, our house immediately changed. Not only where we went to church changed, but our house changed. And it wasn't soon after that that my mother led me to the Lord and, um, and we were just hungry. Man, the Spirit of God was just moving and, and, and you know something just, just even as an eight-year-old, just seeing something change and, and the difference of, of going from the church we were a part of and our routine now going to church was just a whole different experience. And, um, and uh, my mom, she uh, led me to the Lord just simply. I was, I was ready. I was hungry even as an eight-year-old just seeing what happened. In her life, and just beautifully leading me to a personal relationship with Christ, and 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 really, I remember even talking about almost her being apologetic for just being caught up in, in church and never bringing the reality of who God was uh, to our hearts. And so we quickly changed churches, and we went to a new mega church, though it had micro churches, smaller groups like the one Mom and Dad were part of, and. And, uh, and it was just, it, life changed. Our, our broadened, our lives broadened, our mission broadened. We became, my mom and dad became a part of, different Bible studies, different ministries that had national um, uh, stuff. It was back in the day when, when there was, and it was in a, a part of uh, the country that believed in miracles, and, and we got to be with some amazing um, ministry people. Uh, I remember at a healing crusade, um, as a young, about eight, nine years old, is, is visibly, even now I can see it, people getting out of wheelchairs healed. Now, I want to say this. I talked to my dad this week. They got out of their wheelchairs, folks, and they walked. In that period, my sister was healed of scoliosis. The doctor confirmed it. Still to this day, she has no scoliosis. So my early forming of church, and I could go on and on, and just uh, seeing my mother help me, lead me into that relational aspect and always, always just on me, even in seminary, always making sure I wasn't leaning too intellectual, and, but and don't leave Jesus behind. You know, um, there's a new uh, album out called, I think it's called Old Church Basement. And uh, there's some just cool songs in there. And one of them is uh, it's called Just Talking to Jesus. And it's a beautiful little song talking about how a young man, I think it was his grandmother, you know, he'd find talking to Jesus. And the, and the song just leads him into doing it with his kids. And, uh, and I just remember just visually, Uh, kind of walking in on my mother on her knees just talking to Jesus come on I'm just talking to Jesus let's sit down and talk to Jesus and um, that was the foundation and and you might be listening to this and maybe you didn't have that kind of experience growing up maybe you didn't have a healthy understanding of church what formed what church really should be Um, and uh, I would just say to you simply this morning is don't let that experience define your life and your expectation of what you do with church. And I would just strongly say, just as maybe I think of the story of the peril of the prodigal son and the older son, is maybe you've been running right from church, or maybe you're the older son, but you just have a bad attitude about the household where God is. You feel like you've been left out, or God's done you wrong, or something like that, or, I, or didn't have this kind of experience. I just plead with you this morning, and those of you watching online, come back home. Come back home. The Father's arms are open wide. His blessing, His favor over your life, into the generations of life, flows through the fellowship of the house of God, of the Father's house. And um, it was the Father who embraced the prodigal who came back home, lavished on him blessing and identity, and led him into the celebration, the Father's house, the body of Christ is I plead with you on this Mother's Day, do not continue to let your past experience or the news or whatever it is about church keep you from the Father's house, from his household, the body of Christ. Wherever you're at, wherever you're watching, find a Bible-preaching church and come and settle into God's house. And so every Mother's Day, I tried to remember, this is my mom's Bible, and um, it's a treasure to me because it's one of many she had, but there's notes written all in almost every page of this, and uh, many that have my name by them of verses that she claimed to pray over me. And uh, I wish I had the time to tell you some um, to see how the things she prayed have come true even decades before uh, I was, became a, a grown adult, you know. Um, mothers, I just give you something to think about. To be able to hand to your children Bible that has your personal notes in it of verses, promises of God claimed for your children that you can pass along as a treasure that you would never, ever imagine, right, of what that is. Right, So just a, a, little, a little idea there. And I remember the last time that mom had her hands on this Bible, she was in the hospital. My mom died at 59, pretty young, battled most of her life with cancer. And, um, but the Lord did some amazing, miraculous things through that whole time. It's a whole other story. The last visual I have of my mother was in the hospital, sitting up in her bed, and she, no matter what state she was in, she had her Bible open, and she would talk with Jesus and um, the number of nurses and doctors as I would be in there that would grab my arm afterwards and just say something to me about she's blessing us more than we're blessing her she did not let a nurse or doctor work on her or 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 whatever serve her that she did not grab their hand and talk to Jesus and pray for in her life and uh and some of those names or even she's written some of those those people down and uh So I just want to honor her, and um, I stand before you, right, today, a product of a mother who went before God and talked to Jesus and claimed his promises by faith and stood upon them. And so what I can tell you is God is true to his word, and moms and dads, your prayers, they are not in vain. They will bring about generation and generations, right, of blessings. And so, um, Mom, she, I could never get her out of the King James. She just, it was like her language from God, you know, and we had all kinds of great arguments and, you know, especially when I was in seminary, great arguments and it was trying to argue with Moses or something, you know, just, just didn't work, you know, and, um. So I'm gonna we're gonna be I'm gonna read for us what is church and um, I'm gonna read for us Acts chapter two in this series we're just going through the book of Acts stepping into little pieces of uh, the early church and. Um, and uh, d- drilling in on this idea of, of gathered together, what is church? What does it mean to be together right as the, as the body of christ and, and just in chapter two, we see after Pentecost and, and all the stuff that happened that, on that day in Jerusalem when the church was birthed, we see this little description of of the church, the first picture of the church, the beginning of the church, the Ecclesia, which is the Greek word for church, which is the gathered body of of believers. And uh, I'm just going to read here in starting of verse 40, um, I'll start in verse 41 of chapter two of the book of Acts. Uh, this is the King James version. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. And they continued steadfastly, devoted in the apostles' doctrine, teaching, and the fellowship, and the breaking of the bread and prayers, and fear, awe, came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that that believed were together and had all things in common. This wasn't a commune, right, but when somebody was in need, it was a family, the need was met among the family, and they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to men, and every man had no need. And they continued daily, day by day, with one accord in the temple. Huge group, thousands, the mega church, gathered together, right, day by day. And breaking of bread from house to house, smaller microchurches. And they ate their food with gladness and singleness of heart. They were united, praising God and having favor with all the people And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved, those that were coming to faith. In other words, these people were excited about Jesus. They weren't just talking to Jesus uh, on their own, but they were talking to others about the wonder of their Savior. And God was blessing that and adding every day new people to the household of God that met Jesus. Um. Boy, there's so much to break down in this. Um, but I wanted this morning just get real practical with this, gang. And when we answer this question, what is church? This is the essence. These seven things right here, this is the essence of church. Anything else in your mind that you think of what church is, is pretty much an add-on by some kind of church tradition or something else. But here's the essence of what should be happening when the body of Christ gathers together. And um, and serves each other. These are the things that we are wanting to foster here when we gather together. These are the things we're wanting to foster when you meet out in your home groups, in your micro churches, in your smaller gatherings. We these are the things we want to see happen that should be happening, and it's amazing how boy, whether it's our traditions or whether it's something kind of edgy and cool in our culture that uh, uh, programs or or whatever it is and come in and they just sidetrack us from focusing on what is supposed to be happening when we gather right together. And so first one of these is fellowship and hospitality. Uh, Obviously, I just shared when the body, it's a family and we're to share. And and, and I just want to say, I know, In in our body, it's beautiful to hear about the needs that rise in this body and how they're met. So I just want to commend you, Crossroads. Well done in serving each other and being a family, right? But, you know, we can't be served or we can't really serve in that way if we're what? If we're kind of removed, right, from things. Got to be together, right, to experience that blessing, whether you're on the giving or the receiving side of that. The fellowship and hospitality side of this is somebody had to open their home. In other words, to be a believer all through the New Testament to come to Christ is one that it tells us, commands us, we all should be hospitable. We all should be opening our home right, to gather and to f- have fellowship, koinonia is that word, which um, is just a beautiful uh, uh, picture of what happens, right, we engage each other, it's not just about football or stock market or whatever else, it's, it's on a much deeper level, right, and these should be, this should be modeled even in our own households, as when our family gathers together, right, there should be a sense of great fellowship. And so for this to happen, the church should expand out from the larger gathering into our homes. We call it microchurch here in our, our, in, uh, at Crossroads. That we, our desire is that everyone would be, uh, come over a period of time apart, be, get to be a part of one of these little gatherings. And it requires that somebody opens their home and somebody with the gift of hospitality. And you know what it's like when you experience that gift, when somebody hosts you, right? When you moms came in this morning and you saw somebody took the time to make those really beautiful tables out there, somebody took time, Renee, thank you, by the way, to make these beautiful little cookies, right, to bless you with and to serve you, right? Um, The same thing is when you are invited to somebody's house, number one, there's something that happens when we're invited, right, to somebody else's house. Another thing happens, right, when you know that they're there to serve you, to make you feel welcome, to make you feel like you belong in that household with those people, it's a beautiful gift. It is should be at the core of what happens with Christian fellowship, and that should be what's modeled here on a larger scale when we all gather together as well. You Hopefully, no one comes to Crossroads that doesn't feel welcomed. Hopefully, no one can sneak in and, and sit somewhere and not have somebody say hi or welcome, or can I answer any questions for you or get to know you, whatever it may be. Is uh, the, it, we, That is what fellowship and that should be the very foundation of what happens when we're talking about what church is. However, what I would say is unfortunately is let's just go back and I'll just exp- from a, my church experience is is two things. Number one is in part of my experience formality in church removed fellowship. Because that there was so much emphasis on the formality right of what happened at church there was no sense of real relational fellowship anybody understand what I'm talking about the other thing for me is as i grew in church and, and became part of like the mega church and more of the entertainment the big show lights and bells and whistles is that entertainment Consumer hitting the consumer market overtook fellowship. It was more important about the show that went on and people coming to a show than it was about engaging this way. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? See how those two things primarily can rob one of the very essence of what church should be all about. So that's fellowship and hospitality. The other one is worship and prayer. That should be obvious, right? But Jesus says, my house should be a house of prayer. This is something we're praying into, diving into in the sense of, Lord, show us how to be better, to be a house of prayer, right? We're not talking about just a little prayer. are not talking about just prayer here and there. We're talking about a place where people come, and we have time to really get in the presence of God, quantity and quality, right, and a house of prayer and worship. As we talked about last week, we're to come with an attitude of sac- bring a sacrifice of praise that we come in giving joy and blessing to God. Um, and I, I, even this morning, I, was just, I just had a welling up of thanksgiving as I was thinking about my mom, thinking about Michelle, the mother of our children, and just thankful, just thankful, right, for what, and, and then just some, some answered prayers and some God stepping in on some things. Lord, I, I just want to give you praise, God. And even when I'm, even in the midst of the struggle, when things are not going well, even more important to come and to give thanks to God. All right, it changes us, our whole focus, right on, on life, and to build a to worship together. So remember, here we see the example, and this is the ideal scenario of church: is that you get together, you break bread—that's communion with each other in a small, more intimate setting in the home, and then you come together, the larger group, and you worship God. And there's just something powerful. I, I, I can't even, right? When you have thousands of people, hundreds of people, right, who are coming with a gifted team of worship leaders to be able to come into the presence of God, it, it's awesome, right? It's awesome. But there's also that element of being in a home where you have simple worship that's beautiful too. And we see that's exactly, this was day by day, folks, every day. In the temple they got, and they couldn't wait to go to each other's homes as well, right? And, um, and so I think there's this beautiful aspect in this. And, you know, what we're going to see in the book of Acts is that once persecution came, they couldn't meet as a large group out in the temple any longer, that church moved to in the home and usually it was people who had were blessed that had larger homes or larger space for larger gatherings because some of these home churches were actually big churches right um and the rest of church history the first um, hundred years of the church was primarily as it grew around the old roman empire was primarily in churches some of it had to go underground right and go secret we'll we'll get into some of that so worship and prayer and um and like I said, this is, this is a time for us just to come with the worship team and just, in celebration, give our God thanks and worship Him. But we also, in our microchurches, want everybody to be a part of that where it's simple worship. It might just be a guitar. It might just be watching a YouTube, entering into worship with others. It might just be reading a psalm and giving God praise right through the psalm. Uh, just There's endless ways, but it's a, it's a beautiful, more intimate Expression right, of worship. We need both. We need both, right, to, to grow. The word of God and teaching, of course, at the center, as it says, they were devoted. Remember, back to the early church, it begins by saying they were devoted to all these things. And it raises the question for us, right, what are we devoted to? Right, if God or even the culture looked at us and knew we were Christians, well, what would they say we're devoted to? And just in our own lives, right? Even in this crazy culture today, what do we, what do we say about that question? What am I truly devoted to, right? Um, and uh, so the next one is the word of God. Is they were hungry for the word of God, they longed to get together, to have those who were teachers teach the word of God and to wrestle with the word of God and get the word of God right inside their hearts. And... Uh, and to have God right, speak to them, obviously, they didn't have the blessing we do of having the word of God. They had to listen. They were oral, but they could take things. It was amazing how their minds work compared to ours today, right? That oral tradition, And so obviously the Word of God teaching always needs to be a part of that. And then it should expand from those who are gifted in teaching. It should expand out to everyone having a chance to share something that God has spoken to them from the Word of God, right? Words and blessings, testimonies, right? To share, let me tell you what God is showing me, right? In the Word of God. And we learn from each other as God speaks to us, as we uphold His Word and we dive into this as the foundation. Next one is listening in the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. This might be the the, the most the toughest one out of all these, maybe in, in our, our church experience, or one for us to get a hold of, but remember, they spent time, they gave space for the Spirit of God to speak and move and manifest Himself. And when it says a sense of awe, that word is fear. Now, We have to break that down. The awe and the fear was there was a sense of the presence of God. And that was a sense of awe and a sense of, God, what are you going to do? There was a sense of being in his presence. And when you are sensing you're in the presence of the Almighty, a holy one, it changes your countenance. It puts you into a whole different frame of mind. You're not thinking about your lunch reservation any longer. You are focused eternally on God. And you give him space. Everything else, all the other tasks of the day, everything else your mind is on is is gone. And you are in his presence wanting to hear from him, wanting to to experience him. And he's popping off. He's moving. He's bringing a word through somebody here. He's bringing, as we saw, signs, wonders. or miracles happening. People would come and need healing. And and we were hungry and realized that, that we needed prayer. And we served and prayed for each other, ministered to each other. And we gave the Spirit time to speak and to come and truly be with us because Jesus promises what? He is Emmanuel, God with us. But we Westerners are so in a hurry, so in our little chopped up uh, understanding of what's the next thing, that boy, do we ever just get a chance to rest, take a deep breath, and set our mind, our heart. On Jesus in his glorified glory next to the Father's glorious throne with all the angels, even now that we enter in, our Redeemer, the one who has forgiven us redeemed us saved us loves us more than anything we could ever imagine you are his child you are his precious redeemed child and he wants to bless you strengthen you pour out upon you he wants the fruit of the spirit of love and joy peace all the rest of those upon you we need time to receive that right sharing communion um why we are, are so big about microchurches. We do communion every time here just because we can. A larger church, when in the temple, when it was thousands, they didn't do communion. It was just too hard, that many people. They did communion in the home. And, um, but communion here is just different than in your home. When it's in your home, it's more Intimate. Right? Home church, you, you can get around that. You can really put Jesus at the center. You have time to really, really think about what you're doing. Think about what Christ has done for you. And folks, I believe one thing God has done in this last year is waking the church in America up back to Christ's presence at the center of what we do and the understanding of communion. It's not something we do just once a month or whenever it is. It's some formal thing. What did the church do? This is very important to look how we have messed this thing up. It was around a dinner table, eating dinner... Fellowshipping Koinonia with one another, and then at some point taking the bread and the wine and rejoicing face to face in what our Savior, the living bread, right, the bread of life, has done for us and partaken together, right, of, of, of Jesus' sacrifice, the pouring out of the blood, the new covenant, right, restoring, reminding each other of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ, his saving work for our lives. And uh, the one question that just hit me at the beginning of this pandemic is how many believers in America are missing communion? Yeah. The early church would never. Right? They, 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 they long to break bread. Jesus said, as often as you gather, break bread together. How many believers in America were missing as we ran to our shelters? How many were longing to get together and break bread remembering our Savior, putting him at the middle. It shows radical deficit, that we have an understanding of the essence of what church is. So communion, it's got to be at the center. And again, what, why we're doing microchurches and pushing this so much is we need to restore. this. It, it, programs are fine, different things are fine, but we need to do microchurch. When we gather, the priority is we gather because of him. The focus is on him, not on me, what little steps or what little thing I can get. Guess what? That comes as an overflow. The church gathers to worship him and to exalt Jesus at the center. That should be our motive for getting together is to have fellowship with him and one another. And all the other discussions we do in teaching should be side on the side. The problem today, right, is that when we talk about things, we talk about church, we talk about activity, we talk about this program, we talk about this thing we're doing rather than about him. Does that make sense, gang? It's a whole reorientation why we gather. His bread, his body, his blood is at the center. Everything else needs peripheral. We exalt him. We rejoice, right, in his presence. Then it ends, right, says that every day God was adding to their numbers. God was adding, and so the idea of church is we're a missional. God, God loves and, and leads through us, Is that there needs to be this principle of talking about Jesus? It needs to fan out from that gathering to all of our spheres of influence, right? Where we share with people. And that that remember, they joined in when they were saved. Right? We've we've fallen into this idea that we invite people to church to get saved. Yeah, that happens. But you need to understand the original format was the church came there to strengthen themselves, to go after God fully, and then they left out into the city square to bring the good news to people and to lead them to Jesus, then lead them to the church. Does that make sense? So, in other words, it's not up to me, it's not up to just a, a few in the church to lead people to Jesus. Guess what? It's up to everybody. This is how thousands are led. Right? In the sense of becoming mission. The 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 message of how good he is. It's just we would just talk about it with everybody, right, that we encountered. Right? This is how God moves and adds to the church. And finally, organic spirit led. Is folks we there is no like order liturgy. There isn't this set order, right? I know some of you grew up, I did for a period of time, where you got your little pamphlet, here's what happened, here's what happened, then here's what happened. And we as Westerners, I know many people who still, you know, I love that order. I love to know what's coming next. Well, guess what? That's not in the Bible. I just want to blow that out of the water. Matter of fact, that is a product of your Western control. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with the order. We have an order here. We try to change it up, Right? Nothing wrong with the order, don't get me wrong. But there's nothing holy about that order. All of these things right here, there is no order. Matter of fact, they all don't have to happen every time the church comes together. We just for a healthy church, we have to make sure we're nurturing that they are growing and happening at some level, right? You can change it up. In other words, the issue is God, what do you want to, what do you want to do here this morning? Might be that we don't need to even have a teaching. We just need to, which we're going to stop early here and, and do something, is, might just be, we just need to rest before you. Right? Does that make sense, gang? In other words, who's the head of the church? Jesus. He is the head. He is the, the center. He's the one who leads. How much of how we do church is, is us sitting back planning. Here's the order. Here's all this. Don't get me wrong. We, there's nothing wrong with all that. What's wrong is if I start putting myself in the position of I'm the one setting the order. Rather than, no, Jesus, what do you want to do? And if at any time in the midst of whether it be my church or big church that I say, no, here's how we're going to do it, rather than, Lord, what do you, I, I've prepared this for you this evening or morning, whatever it is, now you come blessed. You, you, what do you want to do? What's the will of God here this morning? And to be able to adjust. Look how Jesus, Look at, if you read the Gospels, man, it was going throughout the day, and, and he would adjust to the Father's will. Right? What did he want to do? In the pool of Basada, where there was a massive hospital, he had one man that he was going to heal. That was the Father's will on that day. He was in tune. Where's that man? Boom. Right? And so this is church. This is church. And so here at Crossroads, these are the things we're going after. Pressing in here on a Sunday morning. Pressing in in microchurch. And and we just ask you, right, at this time to think about, we have, um, we call them community groups, connect groups, whatever. Open groups for men, women, and singles, and others to step into. Youth and middle school, uh, to step into as a first step in. Those are open groups. Anytime, step in just to to get a little uh, more a part of what the body is doing. But from there, we want everybody to step into discipleship. Without discipleship, which we talked about in the last series, right, we don't grow. We don't really are able to take and wrestle with this scripture and, and understand what it is to be a follower of Jesus and ultimately want everybody in this body, right, to be a part of a microchurch, to be part of a gathering, right, that all of, the, to experience all these things in a home environment, right? And this is where your gifts come alive. This is where you get to serve and do some of this and, and we grow, as the body of Christ. And so I, I just, we would love to engage with you, help you pray through what's your next step. Where, where do you want to move in those, in those areas? And we have many uh, folks who are, um, are great leaders that we just need to come alongside right now and help facilitate, right, to start um, some of these things right as well. So this is church. This is it. Again, anything else, I just want to drive this home. Anything else is strictly added by man. In tradition. And so when you look back on your church experience, if there's something you just holding tight to. If it's not on that list, I wouldn't hold so tight to it. It'll only block you from experiencing and being free before God's house. Right? Nothing wrong with denominations, nothing wrong with liturgy, nothing wrong with any of those things. But What we've seen throughout history is those things have a way of leading, even for century millennia, leading group of people away from the center, away from the true essence of of God's house. I could take you today to uh, underground churches in Iraq, in China, in India, Nepal, and other places, and you know what happens when persecution comes? It's just funny how God works, isn't it? He cleans out. When persecution comes, guess what? All that extra stuff gets wiped away. All that's left is that. And if that hasn't been happening, what happens to that church? What happens to those people? A little coronavirus is nothing compared to what most of our brothers and sisters are experiencing with today. I think God's given us a little test. Are we holding on to what church is, things other than this list? I'm telling you, if we're not developing and growing in these things, when the real winds start blowing, you know what? We fade away. And Jesus says some alarming words. In the end, when these things, the birth pains, start happening, it says many, many will fall away. And the reason they fall away is because there's no roots. Is that they just bought into the consumer church. They bought into the the, the, uh, commitment to a tradition of church, a a heritage of church or something. They did not have roots to what biblically it means to be a part of the body and be the church. And when the wind blew, guess what? Many fell away. But he goes on to say, church, that's not who we are. That's not what we've done, right? And, um, and so this is just a restoration of these things. And just praying, I, I invite you, pray with us. Lord, may you bring these things to the fullness of what they are. Restore these things, right, in a healthy way, in big church and in our microchurches, right? We want a journey with you to help. And, and folks, here's the deal. Even community, all of, there's, You don't have to be ordained. You don't have to be anything to do any of those. Now, that's radical. Have you led communion before? There's nothing in the Bible that says you shouldn't be leading communion with your family and when you have microchurch in your house. It's around a dinner table, folks. It's just knowing what the gospel is and what the Bible says communion is. Every bit up here is for every follower of Jesus, not some hierarchy. Remember, the gospel comes, he makes us all priests. He makes us all prophecy to prophesy, right, to speak the word of God. So that's what church is, folks. Um, What I want to do now is um, I want to change it up. I want to go after that middle one here in, in this time left. And uh, Derek, I know this is early, but maybe if your team or whoever would come up and just play us some, some music. But we got some time here before we uh, come to the table. And uh, I want us to rest in his presence. Now, I know one thing for sure, that mothers, as hectic as they are, the one of the things for moms and dads, right, is it's very rare to get a time just to rest and be quiet and to listen because of all the noise going on in the busy household or our busy lives, right? The church should be the place, right? Psalm 42, God commands us to what? Be still and know that he's God, right? Or 46. And that—that um, that is what we should be practicing here, space for God to speak to us. And so, this idea of listening to God now, um, that we've preached the word, we've worshiped him, we've prayed, right? We've hopefully had some fellowship with each other, right, in, in coming in this morning. Um, we've, we've heard the word, we've heard some teaching, right? So now, before we come to communion, um, let's take some time to hear him and maybe respond. You respond, maybe. God has something on you, and I'll, I'll lead us in that in a minute. The last thing I want to say was this: become missional right, in the sense that it's, it's to us to take that good news out is, I want everybody to look back, look at, if you're over here, look over the doors when you go out here, amazing how many people have missed this, but it says above each door as you go out, it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, it's Romans 10, when you leave this sanctuary, look up, look up, that's your feet. How beautiful are your feet. In other words, that's, that's Jewish idiom that means, man, you are a bearer of good news. God wants to bring this blessing right through you. You're on mission. We're all on mission together, right? So Father, we come to you on this Mother's Day. We rejoice in our mothers and we lift them up, Father. And we know, Lord, that there's some situations out there, Lord, where there's, there's struggle, there's pain with mom. Lord, we ask this morning your grace and your mercy in a powerful way, Father. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. You desire more than we to come and fellowship with us. Lord, I just pray we can all take a deep breath, set aside the day's agenda, rest in you, and listen. You want to be with us. You want to love on us. So come, Holy Spirit. We want to be your church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.